Section zero of the most extraordinary trial of William Palmer for the Rougely poisonings which lasted twelve days. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The most extraordinary trial of William Palmer for the Rougely poisonings by anonymous section zero counsel for the crown the attorney-general mr james q c mr bodkin mr wellsby and mr huddleston counsel for the prisoner mr sergeant shee mr grove q c mr gray and mr keneally the following gentlemen were sworn on the jury thomas knight of leytonstone Richard Dumbrell of Fore Street, William Mavor of Park Street, William Newman of Coleshill Street, George Miller of Duke Street, Grosvenor Square, George Oakshot of Ham Lane, West Ham, Charles Bates of Borough Road, William Ecclestone of Ham Lane, Samuel Mullet of Great Portland Street, John Over of Grosvenor Road, Pimlico, William Nash of Conduit Street, William Fletcher of Fore Street. The prisoner, William Palmer, surgeon of Rugeley, aged 31, was indicted for having at Rugeley, County of Stafford, on November 21, 1855, feloniously, willfully, and with malice aforethought, committed murder on the person of John Parsons Cook. Memoir of William Palmer William Palmer is a member of a wealthy family and is 31 years of age. He was educated for the medical profession, was a pupil at St. Bartholomew's Hospital, London, received the diploma of the Royal College of Surgeons in 1846, and shortly afterwards settled at Rugeley, his native place. He seems, however, to have paid more attention to the turf and what are commonly called sporting pursuits than to his profession, and to have confined his practice to his own family and friends. His name appears in the London and Provincial Medical Directory of 1851, and again in 1855, as that of one of the persons who had neglected to inform the editor of that work of the nature of their qualifications. He married, in 1847, Anne, the natural daughter of Colonel William Brooks and Mary Thornton, his housekeeper. Colonel Brooks, who, after quitting the East India Service, took up his residence at Stafford, died in 1834, leaving considerable property and more than one natural child. To Anne Thornton he bequeathed, by a will dated July the 27th, 1833, nine houses at Stafford, besides land and the interest of 20,000 sick of rupees, for herself and her children, and appointed Dr. Edward Knight, a physician of Stafford, and Mr. Dawson, her guardians and trustees. To Mary Thornton, the mother of Anne, the colonel bequeathed certain property, which was to pass to her daughter at the decease of the mother. Mary Thornton departed this life, it is said while a guest at Mr. Palmer's house, in 1848 or 1849. Now, although the will of Colonel Brooks would seem clear enough to anyone who was ignorant of law, and although in the present state of the law, as we are informed, it would be sufficient, 
yet it was discovered by the legal fraternity some years since that the language conveying the bequest to anne thornton was not sufficiently forcible to convey it to her absolutely but only to give her a life interest in it insomuch as at her decease it was liable to be claimed by the heir-at-law to colonel brooks under these circumstances there was nothing unnatural or unusual in the idea that palmer should insure his wife's life in order to protect himself from the inevitable loss which must ensue in case of her decease and since her property consisted of seventeen acres of land valued at between three hundred and four hundred pounds per acre besides nine houses and the interest of the sicker rupees probably altogether worth at least four hundred pounds per annum upon which he had borrowed largely from his mother there could be no doubt of his having such an interest in his wife's life as would justify insurance accordingly in january eighteen fifty four he insured her life for three thousand pounds in the norwich union and in march in the sun for five thousand pounds there was also an insurance in the scottish equitable for five thousand pounds mrs palmer died on september twenty ninth eighteen fifty four leaving only one surviving child a boy of seven years and as if to justify the husband in effecting an insurance an action was brought within a month by colonel brooks's heir-at-law to obtain possession of mrs palmer's property palmer brought up the life policies on the sun and norwich union on the sixteenth of october eighteen fifty four and employed mr pratt the solicitor to obtain the money from the offices mr pratt who seems to have acted with entire bona fides and the caution usual among lawyers required to be furnished with evidence of the husband's pecuniary interest in his wife's life took counsel's opinion on every step and obtained the eight thousand pounds from the offices on the sixth of february eighteen fifty five strangely enough the five thousand pounds from the scottish equitable was paid through a banker unknown to pratt great excitement prevailed in reference to the trial and large bodies of persons who could have no possible chance of admission crowded the avenues of the court day after day notices have appeared in the papers that only those who have obtained tickets of admission from the sheriffs would be admitted and the under-sheriffs very wisely adhered to that determination in consequence of their very excellent arrangements the court was at no time inconveniently crowded at ten o'clock the judges appointed to try the case entered the court and took their seats on the bench they were lord campbell the lord chief justice of the queen's bench mr baron alderson and mr justice cresswell End of section zero.